This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. He really should be tried for war crimes because they didn't do anything to deserve this. The B.C. mayor with relatives in Ukraine attending a vigil tonight as Vladimir Putin makes another alarming move. People are trying to figure out what's happening, if we're getting attacked, where. And a Ukrainian-born Vancouver resident talks about his harrowing escape from Kyiv. Plus. He was chasing them, saying, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you. The community concern after women are assaulted in a 40-minute crime spree now being investigated by Vancouver police. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Slava Ukraini! Slava Ukraini! Even as war rages on the other side of the world, thousands come together in Victoria to chant glory to Ukraine and glory to the heroes and demand an end to hostilities in Ukraine. Looking out over the sea of faces, I could see people standing all the way to the harbor and I'm, I'm just blown away and so incredibly grateful for all the support. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Once again, we begin tonight with the battle for Ukraine. Street fighting intensifying just as sights are set on peace talks in just a matter of hours. That as the Russian president put his nuclear forces on high alert. Paul Johnson begins our coverage. Fuel storage tanks on fire near Kiev and street to street fighting in the eastern city of Kharkiv as the Russian attack presses on and Ukrainian forces continue to stun the world with their defense of their land. Despite their overwhelming advantage in numbers and firepower, after four full days of fighting, the Russians haven't taken control of a single major city, and Ukraine's government still stands. Kyiv was bombed heavily, which was the worst moment for Ukraine's capital since 1941, when it was bombed by Nazi Germany. Kiev confirmed they'll send a delegation Monday to new talks proffered by Moscow to be held at the Belarusian border. Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuliba had this take on why Russia wants to talk now. As Russian army experienced one defeat after another, the demands, the preconditions, the ultimatums of, by Russia were put aside and now they convey the message to us that they just want to talk. But the promise of talk was eclipsed by news that Putin had ordered his nuclear forces to a higher state of alert. An ominous move from a leader who appears increasingly boxed in by the very situation he created. Stalled progress militarily, sanctions and flight bans, and the threat of a long-term insurgency from ordinary Ukrainians some of whom have been learning how to make Molotov cocktails. And Sunday saw more international solidarity with the Ukrainians. Victoria was among the cities where hundreds turned out, 
as people everywhere are touched by the courage of Ukraine's president and the former boxer turned Kiev mayor Vitaly Klitschko. By contrast, no one anywhere has yet to rally for Putin. In fact, it's been the opposite, with thousands of Russians so far risking their to condemn his war. Paul Johnson, Global News. The conflict in Ukraine, the subject of most of the prayers during Sunday services at Ukrainian Orthodox churches around the world, including in Vancouver. Meantime, a Vancouverite in Ukraine is telling us about his ordeal in the past week as he escapes the fighting and recovers from COVID-19. Amadagahi has more. With heightened emotion is how Ryan Warawa describes the feeling of walking into Vancouver's Holy Trinity Ukrainian Orthodox Cathedral. For those here, this is the first Sunday worship service since the war began. There's a lot of anxiety in the community about what's going on and I think now's any better time than ever to pray and turn the situation over to God. Meanwhile, on home soil during this conflict, Ilya Lebedinsev struggles to explain the unparalleled situation encountered in just 72 hours. It was unbelievable. Like, we heard it, but you, you realize it, but it's hard to really internalize it and understand that, okay, you have hours to leave the country. On Thursday, when the first sirens rang, Lebedensev and his girlfriend were in downtown Kyiv. A Canadian resident for more than 10 years and soon-to-be citizen, he has been working remotely in Ukraine since December. The news are on all the time, non-stop, because people are trying to figure out what's happening, if we're getting attacked, where. The mass escape, slowed down by heavy traffic, the shortage of gas, the panicking. He says it's all true. It should have taken him an hour and a half to travel to the safety of his parents' home and away from the capital. Instead, it took eight. In his gripping account of what has only been days, the clear and cruel reality of being in a war zone makes up every detail. I've been with my girlfriend in Canada. Um, well, not in we were We've been together for five years, uh, all of it in Canada. And our parents have never met <laughs> up until that night. <laughs> when we were uh, hiding together from, from bombs. <sighs> Back in Vancouver, support continues in the form of rallies, or in this case, congregation, easing the feeling of helplessness with prayer. In Madagahi, Global News. The invasion of Ukraine also hitting too close to home for a lower mainland mayor. Val Vandenbroek is the mayor of Langley City and she's Ukrainian on her father's side. The Russian invasion of Ukraine has left her heartbroken and prompted her to attend a vigil tonight in Langley to show her support for the country. I felt like I had to do something. I, I really felt um, I've been heartbroken since this war has broken out. I feel like somebody's punched me in the gut. I've had many people contact me, reaching out, and I thought, you know, this is a really good way to bring the community together, to share our stories, to cry a little, um, to, to vent our anger against the dictator Putin. Um, it's unacceptable what's going on right now, and he should be tried for um, war crimes. 
to the pandemic now. As of 9 o'clock tonight, the government of Canada will no longer be advising against international travel because of COVID-19. Ottawa continues to advise Canadians heading out of the country to be careful and to know the risks of the countries they'll be visiting. Canada is also easing its entry requirements, stopping mandatory COVID-19 testing on arrival for vaccinated travelers. Instead, people will be tested at random. You'll also have the option of getting a rapid test the day before getting on a flight to Canada rather than the more expensive and cumbersome PCR test. This is a test just like the PCR or other molecular tests. So you absolutely need to make an appointment. The planning process of travel now includes booking your flight and booking your accommodation or wherever you happen to be staying and also booking that test at the proper window. Unvaccinated travelers still face a number of travel hurdles, though, including getting a test on arrival and two more over the next 14 days. Coquitlam RCMP are asking for your help to find a missing man wanted on a provincial mental health warrant. 36-year-old Matthew Anthony Cook was last seen Friday at 7.45 p.m. in Coquitlam. Police say they're concerned for his well-being. Police say Anthony Cook has short brown hair, blue eyes, is 5'10 and 170 pounds. He was last seen wearing a light brown jacket, gray Adidas hoodie and black pants. If you see Anthony Cook, do not approach him. Instead, call 911. Vancouver police are making an appeal tonight to speak with any victims and witnesses to a violent crime spree Saturday afternoon. As Grace Key reports, a man who may have been in psychosis caused thousands of dollars in damage as he rampaged through a Fairview neighborhood and appeared to be targeting women at random. Then he kicked his window in. Karen McDonald describes a terrifying spree of attacks that spanned over 40 minutes involving at least five female victims and ended outside her building. So it was about noon and I was like at home and I just heard this smashing of glass, right? So I didn't know what if somebody had broken some like plates or something like that. Then I heard running and running. Around noon Saturday, a man allegedly grabbed a 25-year-old woman by the hair and punched her as she walked on Oak Street near 10th Avenue. A bystander helped her break free. She and other frightened people ran into a building, but the suspect allegedly ran after them, breaking through the front door. He kicked it in, but he had, apparently had like one of the pieces of glass, and he was chasing them with his glass, saying, I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kill you. So it was just just like glass and blood everywhere. The incident started earlier when the man jumped on a woman's car, made shooting gestures, banged on the vehicle, tried to open the door and then chased her as she drove away. 30 minutes later, the suspect allegedly chased a couple of joggers near the entrance of an apartment building. The joggers managed to get away by ducking into a building with the suspect smashing the front door. He then allegedly cornered a woman who witnessed the incident and demanded her phone. Vancouver police caught up with the man outside the building where he allegedly chased the 25-year-old woman. He did have a a brief struggle with police. Uh, He resisted arrest, um, but he was then taken into custody. He was taken to hospital uh, as officers believe he was in psychosis and he did have some uh, cuts from the glass he was holding. We're all pretty shaken up the gal that's one of the gals that he was chasing. She just packed her stuff up and went to stay with her mom. The 38-year-old man was taken to hospital for glass cuts and possible psychosis. He is now in jail awaiting charges. He is well known to police and has an extensive history. Police need to speak with additional victims and witnesses and anyone with video of the incident. Grace Key, Global News.
In the Okanagan, a driver was killed in an early morning crash on Highway 3 near Karameas. Police say officers were called to the scene of the crash near Lawrence Ranch west of Karameas just after 4 o'clock this morning. The driver, a 32-year-old man, was pronounced dead after being ejected from the vehicle. His passenger, a 38-year-old man who police say had no fixed address, was seriously injured and rushed to hospital. The cause of the crash remains under investigation. A group of Kelowna teenagers has come together to raise awareness about sexual violence and offer support to those who have experienced it. Teens at several schools have staged several rallies like this in recent weeks, at times holding school walkouts in an effort to get their message across. They say they want authorities and school administrators to take sexual assault and harassment complaints more seriously. They also want to point out the injustices and double standards that society can place on certain groups. Students being fed up with having to go to school with like their rapists and abusers and not being taken seriously or listened to for that matter at all um, and honestly just enough is enough people deserve to feel safe in their schools and in their community some of the teens family members joined the rally displaying signs with slogans like no means no and why does alcohol condone his actions but condemn mine a small group of people gathered in penticton this afternoon for a kindness and gratitude rally if you take a look around at the signs that they hold up or the other side versus the signs that we're holding up here and what i wanted to kind of emphasize is that there's a way to positively protest you can express what you're grateful for you can express what you're thankful for you don't have to hold up a sign because you're angry at something you can hold up a sign because you're thankful for something Around 20 supporters held signs that said, thank you to healthcare workers, vaccines save lives, and be safe. The organizer of the event says they had planned for the counter rally to be across the street from the self-proclaimed Freedom Rally, but decided to move down the street to avoid conflict. Last week, the group said they were approached by other protesters and the environment quickly became hostile. They say they want to promote positivity and provide a space for fair conversations. The group says it plans to protest every Sunday afternoon until they feel there is no need to continue. Well, both heavy rain and snowfall warnings have been issued in parts of B.C. Let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell to tell us where and when this is happening. Yvonne. Rain along the south coast. It's already developing. It'll be heavy at times, and this continues all the way in towards tomorrow night. A heads up. Be prepared for the morning commute tomorrow, heading out to work and school. We can see the swath of moisture. That's the green areas in yellow with some heavy precipitation, even just areas near West Vancouver at this hour. And along the island, we've got that rain that is picking up, and we we'll continue to see it. Now, rainfall amounts for the following areas, especially along the North Shore Mountains, northeastern areas and extending into the Fraser Valley. The rainfall warning 50 and up to 70 millimeters, but the snow is also a big weather story that will continue to see a significant amount. Kootenay Pass between 40 and up to 50 centimeters is possible. Rogers Pass between 20 and 30 centimeters. We're also watching some warm air that is moving in across the region. The potential and the risk of freezing rain is there. I'll have more coming up very shortly. Nithu? All right. Thanks so much for that, Yvonne. And after the break, more on the war in Ukraine and how tens of thousands are fleeing to Poland as Vladimir Putin threatens a nuclear attack. But first, how anxiety is amplified among those in the Chinatown community and what happened after some took their concerns to the police board this week.
Vancouver is averaging a staggering four random attacks per day, according to police. And in Chinatown, ongoing safety fears have business leaders pleading for help. As Kristen Robinson reports, anti-Asian racism, social disorder, garbage and graffiti are all dissuading people from visiting or working in the community. Community leaders say the measure of safety in Chinatown used to be whether your grandmother could walk down the street by herself. But that's changed, and they're now looking over their own shoulders. Carol's has South has been assaulted. It's that emotional stress that, uh, that has people on edge. Chinatown Foundation Chair Carol Lee and local BIA President Jordan Eng taking their concerns to the Vancouver Police Board. While other BIAs are spending to promote their neighborhoods, half of Chinatown's annual budget goes to full-time security. Last year, that bill was $240,000. When uh, Carol and I walk down the street, and we have to be uh, cognizant that you know, we're not going to be randomly attacked by somebody, uh, that, that threat is real. And you, you just can't talk and you can put it all about you. Eng is asking for an increased police presence, including foot patrols, more criminal charges, and a bubble zone around Chinatown for repeat offenders. Elderly people and business owners are not feeling safe in Chinatown, and they need some more help, and we agree with you. But the city's top cop says public safety is a shared responsibility. For all of us in policing, at the city, the different social service components, we all need to work uh, to do better in Chinatown because it's, it's concerning for all of us. They're also urging citizens to report incidents including vandalism. Much of the graffiti staining these heritage buildings won't be reflected in crime stats, police say, because the mischief goes unreported. We know that there's lots of underreporting taking place because of the sense of hopelessness and helplessness. A scarred community hoping its luck will change. Kristen Robinson, Global News. Vancouver's police chief says his officers are making progress in identifying those responsible for shooting out more than two dozen bus windows on the downtown east side. Earlier this month, the VPD and transit police said 26 windows had been broken since January 17th. Investigators believed someone was launching projectiles at buses traveling along East Hastings Street between Gore and Canby Streets. No one has been hurt so far, and in all the cases, the drivers only noticed the damage after they finish their shifts. The transit bus windows that are being shot out uh, in the downtown east side were up to in the high 20s, uh, 30-ish of windows being shot out, working closely with our uh, specialized resources, uh, the owner shop, and also with the Metro Vancouver Transit Police, and we're making good progress in those cases. All of the bus windows have been shattered in the early morning hours. Chief Palmer also updating the police board behind closed doors as to where the investigation is heading next. And coming up, we return to our top story with an on-the-ground look at Poland's refugee influx as Vladimir Putin puts nuclear forces on high alert. Also ahead, a journey to justice for black and indigenous people in Canada. The latest federal stats on their confidence in the police system. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level 
today. That's shopify.com slash system. Returning now to our top story, the conflict in Ukraine. Russia's president has taken an unnerving measure, putting his nuclear forces on high alert and ready to launch in the event of a NATO escalation. As Europe Bureau Chief Crystal Gamansing explains, Vladimir Putin's measure comes as intense battles continue between Ukrainian and Russian forces, while thousands of people rush to the borders to find safety. The marks of war are everywhere. In Ukraine's second largest city, Russian forces keep trying to overtake Kharkiv. The battle's long and deadly. It's a video with the bombing of my house. Sergei Putsov left Kyiv before those bombings Saturday. Unsure what will come next, he's preparing to move his 11-year-old daughter to Poland. I choose her safety, and that's it. And this is very difficult for me. Restoring peace is the wish of Ukraine's president. He's agreed to take a meeting in Belarus with Russia, but says Ukraine will concede nothing. Being at the talks, he says, will show his people he's dedicated to ending the war. This is all my life here. It's all what I have with me. The scene at the Medica crossing is chaotic. People everywhere, clothes, food, water. But it's the children that stand out. Most are silent and still. We are a group of 10 people, my children and my sister's children. There are people arriving here in Poland all hours of the day at different crossings. Polish officials say more than 200,000 people have already crossed into their country. Crystal Gamansing, Global News, Zeszow, Poland. Canada is sending an additional $25 million worth of protective equipment to Ukraine. Foreign Affairs Minister Melanie Jolie says Ukraine's Deputy Prime Minister asked for more equipment to keep their fighters safe. They need helmets, body armor, gas masks, and night vision gear. I assured her Canada would deliver it, and I meant it. Jolie says she is working with her Polish counterpart to ensure transportation of the aid to Poland's border with Ukraine. Canada is also adding airlift support to deliver the equipment. However, officials are once again ruling out a combat mission in Ukraine. But they stress Canada has already sent millions of dollars in lethal aid to the Ukrainian military. In Toronto, a large rally was held downtown in support of Ukrainians. More than 1,000 people showed up as the community tries to raise money for humanitarian aid for those who have been forced to flee the country. Brittany Rosen reports. A sea of blue and yellow consumes Dundas Square. The Ukrainian community took to the streets for a fourth straight day, its largest presence yet. We will continue to come out. We will continue to rally. Um, they're fighting to the very end, and so are we. People from all ages were moved to support their community. Russia's aggression is over the top. I feel sad because like everybody has to leave their homes and like people have to like sacrifice for the country. Many here filled with anger towards Russian President Vladimir Putin. We are fed up. We fed up with that, with that person. A similar feeling from a Russian-Canadian. It's absolutely 
unacceptable what is going on in my country. It's a shame. Passionate protesters walked from Young and Dundas to Nathan Phillips Square. Among those in attendance, Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland, Toronto Mayor John Tory and Mississauga Mayor Bonnie Crombie, joining those continuing to raise awareness and garner support for a country who has been forced to defend. Because they fight not only for Ukraine, they fight for our democracy and we have to support them. Canada doing their part as well, taking additional punitive measures against Russia. The country's Minister of Transport announcing effective immediately. Canada's airspace is closed to all Russian aircraft operators. Well, people are demonstrating to show their support for Ukrainians. Others are putting their faith into the power of prayer. At St. Volodymyr's Ukrainian Orthodox Cathedral, people attended the first Sunday service since the beginning of the war. We're leaning on our faith as a support mechanism uh, because we know that uh, uh, we will prevail. There are different things uh, we can do uh, to uh, just have our Ukrainian-Canadian friends and people in Ukraine know that Canadians and Torontonians are with them. A number of churches throughout the GTA, including this one, are collecting donations that will go towards humanitarian efforts. Brittany Rosen, Global News. Coming up after this break, weather warnings, what you need to know. Yvonne will be in with the full forecast. Also ahead, a dog in distress. So we had a dog that had fallen into the ravine. The warning from search and rescue crews after a dog was caught in fast-flowing waters in West Vancouver. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. The message from search and rescue crews who came to the aid of a dog in distress in West Vancouver. That's just ahead. But first, another story about helping dogs. This morning, steady rainfall not stopping hundreds from attending the 8th annual Run Go Dash for Dogs event in Stanley Park. The annual run raises funds to support BC and Alberta guide dogs. Those in attendance could take part in either a 10, 5 or 2 kilometer run or walk. This year, the event attracted some 200 participants and about 100 dogs. So far, $18,000 has been raised with a goal of 20000 Almost there. <laughs> Adorable. Smiling right back at you as we bring back meteorologist Yvonne Shell for a look at the forecast and people walking their dogs might be drenched later this week. Yeah, uh, get the rain gear ready because yeah. it is going to be a soaker and breezy at times. We've got more of a southerly wind, warmer temperatures are going to start to pick up, but through the day tomorrow we could see gusts closer to 40 kilometers per hour. So a heads up, it's going to be wet and windy. We've got a few heavier pockets right now, even across the island for the southern tip near Victoria and we'll continue to see these waves of rain really intensifying overnight and continuing through the day on Monday before it starts to ease off it'll likely be by monday night now overnight tonight temperatures will be down to six degrees we've got breezy conditions tomorrow double digits up to 10 but it is going to be a soaker 15 potentially up to 70 millimeters as possible with the rainfall warning that is in effect and mild temperatures will continue to take us in towards the evening hours big weather picture and story so the satellite showing us that it's a series of systems that'll take aim especially along the southern half of the province and the snowfall the big weather story for the southern interior and with a bit of a transition tomorrow we could even see the risk 
risk of freezing rain, especially for higher elevations. Now, here's the rainfall amounts and the rain forecast. So higher amounts will be along the North Shore Mountains, extending in towards the Fraser Valley, Coquitlam with upwards of 50 millimeters, and then easing off towards tomorrow night. Now, the snowfall that we're seeing, 40 and up to 50 is possible, especially along the Kootenai Pass, Rogers Pass between 20 and 30 centimeters. And for both the Coquihalla and Allison Pass, anywhere between 10 and up to 15. But the big concern will also be that transition with those warmer temperatures that are moving in. We could even see the risk of freezing rain. But do check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions because we do have a significant amount of snow that is on the way. Now, the northern half of the province, it'll be rainfall along the coast. Inland, a few spots could see some wet flurries. Much of the central interior for the morning hours, it's a chance there's some flurries changing over to showers. And then a change for much of the southern interior with snow changing over to rain and higher elevations still tracking a significant amount of snowfall continuing in towards the evening hours. Double digits tomorrow for areas near Merritt. Whistler will still see a few wet flurries or snowfall. And along the south coast, it'll be the rainfall. Heavy at times tomorrow, breezy with the winds picking up gusts of up to 40 kilometers per hour, but mild areas into the Fraser Valley seeing highs up to 12 degrees. A soggy start for back to work and school tomorrow. Be prepared. Heavy rain at times should taper off to a chance of showers for both Tuesday, Wednesday, mild for both days with highs up to 10 and 11 degrees. Nithu. All right. Thanks so much, Yvonne. Firefighters in West Vancouver came to the rescue of a dog in distress this afternoon. You are looking at what appears to be a lucky Labradoodle, now back with its humans tonight. The dog was on a walk at Cypress Falls Park when it somehow fell into a ravine. Ten members of West Vancouver Fire and Rescue set up a rope system and harness to pull the pooch to safety. Fortunately, the dog was unhurt. Firefighters say it's a good reminder to be cautious around fast-flowing creeks and rivers. The creeks are a lot uh, more swollen right now, and so there's a lot of water and debris coming down the creeks. And with, um, I think the key thing was making that call and getting the resources moving as quickly as possible, and so it had a better outcome in the end. Glad to hear it. All right, glad to see you as well, Barry. You're in for a preview of what's coming up in sports. What do you have for us? I think the dog felt bad. <laughs> yeah. They had to rescue him. You could see it on his True. face, but he'll be <laughs> their best friend, guys. which is what dogs do. <laughs> well, uh, the Canucks, of course, are coming off, I think, their best game of the year when they wallop the Flames 7-1 the other night. You always wonder after a game like that, how are you going to play in the next one? Did you save some goals? Well, apparently they have. They are beating the Rangers, one of the best teams in the league, 4-0 right now in New York in the third. So Canuck Nation has to be pretty happy the way their team is playing right now. So we have all the highlights of that coming up. All right. Thanks very much for that, Barry. Also ahead, how a B.C. father's love for his luxury vehicle was put to the test after his environmentally conscious daughter refused to ride it. Believe BC, featured on Global News Hour at 6, celebrates the innovative minds working together to reignite business throughout our province. Believe BC in partnership with Pacific Blue Cross, flexible small business health benefits for challenging times. Having trust in the police may be second nature for some, but for others, it is far from reality. Recent Statistics Canada numbers show that black and indigenous people in Canada have little trust in officers. Global's Troy Charles spoke to individuals from the black and indigenous communities who say it's not a surprise to them. It was beating fast. I don't know what was really going on. It's been almost eight years since Simon Moccasin, an Indigenous man on his way to a Christmas party, was wrongfully arrested outside the casino in Regina. 
Moccasin claims he was racially profiled and that he was stopped under false pretenses because police were looking for a robbery suspect who was brown. I still feel it. You know, I still feel that every time I go anywhere. Regina police eventually gave Moccasin a formal apology for the incident, but that feeling he speaks of is a continued mistrust in the police system. It's a feeling that is backed up by recent Stats Canada polling that shows that black and indigenous people are twice as likely to report having little or no confidence in police, as well as being disproportionately discriminated against in all walks of life. This is not a... a, a a pointing, accusing finger to an officer. It's a system we're talking about here. What that data really shows to us uh, is that we still have a long way to go, and it starts now. Tiro Matembu is a member of Heritage Helpers, a local organization that looks for solidarity in the Heritage neighborhood. The recent data leaves him with more questions than answers. Why de-escalation is not a reality in an Indigenous and Black person's life? De-escalation is only for certain members of our society. Um, escalation and force is used, and, and oppression is used on um, Black and Indigenous folks. Matembu added, it's hard for him to see any real reform coming for an institution like the police force. Um, our communities, Black and Indigenous communities, need times of healing and not uh, brutal force. Troy Charles, Global News. After this break, Barry's back with a full sports cast and later, the costs of EV conversion. As like time went on, he just went like, I will do this to make you proud. A BC father's mission to make his luxury vehicle more sustainable to earn his daughter's pride and why the process ended up driving her away instead. Children cannot learn when they are hungry. Food insecurity also affects their mental health. That's why Global News and the Grocery Foundation are partnering for Toonies for Tummies and nourishing children in countless communities. Donate today to Toonies for Tummies in-store or online. Support hungry kids in our community. One in three Canadian children are at risk of going to school hungry. That's why Global News and the Grocery Foundation are partnering for Toonies for Tummies, benefiting student nutrition programs for kids in our community. Visit globalnews.ca slash Toonies for Tummies for info. Don't miss the Canadian E-Fest coming to Vancouver's False Creek this summer. Explore the event combining Formula E racing, e-sports, music, arts, and more. Get tickets and info at canadianefest.com. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. If you want to know... The Global BC Community Hub. Navigate your now. Well, one of the men who made sports history in Vancouver and headlines around the world has passed away. Australian John Landy took on Britain's Roger Bannister at the 1954 British Empire Games at Commonwealth Stadium in what was called the Race of the Century or the Miracle Mile. It was their first face-to-face meeting since they both accomplished what was thought to be impossible, run a mile in less than four minutes. Bannister did it first, but then Landy broke his record. And in their head-to-head, Bannister crossed the line to win in 358.8. Landy was 18 tenths of a second behind. The race is commemorated by a famous statue that stands today in Vancouver. John Landy died at the age of 91. Roger Bannister died in 2018 at the age of 88.
incredible. Mm-hmm. Hard to believe that happened at Empire Stadium. Uh, I'm doing my math in my head now. 68 years ago. Wow. Something like that. But the world record, that, their, their, world, their records Dance. were 358. The world record today is 343. Wow. Which in track and field, 15 seconds, it tells oh. you how fast they are now. Tired just thinking about back it. Back then, amazing stuff. So, Absolutely. Uh, good to honor them. All right. Thanks, Neethi. We're going to talk uh, some Canucks. The Canucks certainly had their most impressive win of the season Thursday, shelling the Flames 7-1. But they have to keep winning at least two out of every three games for the remainder of the season just to have a chance to make the playoff. Tonight, they started a four-game road trip in New York against the Rangers, who have the seventh-best record in the NHL and are having a great season. Thatcher Demko back in the groove the past few games. After a bit of a lull after the All-Star break, Demko, though, razor sharp early. He will rob Mika Zibanejad on the doorstep. The Swede thought he had one, but... Demko closed the door. Canucks get on the board first. Tanner Pearson will keep the puck in, goes to to the net, and then converts the J.T. Miller feed. Pearson's 10th beats Alex Georgiev, the Ranger backup. Igor Shosturkin, who's been amazing this year, getting the night off, which the Canucks will not complain about, but that was a good shot by Pearson. Back to Demko. This time he stares down Rangers sniper Chris Kreider. Kreider's got 34 goals, third in the NHL behind Matthews and Drysaddle, but Demko just beat him right there. Then on the Rangers' power play, it's Kreider again, who is robbed by Demko, so strong with the pads. Kreider almost scored on the rebound, but uh, Kreider's shaking his head. A lot of Rangers had that look on their face today, including... Keandre Miller, 13 saves for Demko in the first. And moments after that save, Canucks on the rush. JT Miller again, great pass to Tyler Myers. And the big man fires home his first of the season with his mom and brother in the stands. First goal in his last 54. 2-0 Canucks after one. Thanks a lot to uh, Thatcher Demko, of course. Second period, comes. Uh, Canucks come out aggressively, get rewarded. It's the motto line striking. Yuho Lamico, great deflection of the Luke Shen shot. Lamico's got six. It's 3-0. Rangers power play. Point shot gets through. Again, Demko flashing out the pad. The Canucks PK getting better. Ten straight kills and counting, including three tonight. And then on their own power play, second unit got about ten seconds, but they scored. Oliver ekman Larson shot tipped perfectly by Matthew Highmore, his third of the year. Canucks getting all sorts of secondary scoring. It's 4-1 right now. Canucks, by the way, have scored 11 goals in their past four-plus periods. Also today, Oilers and Hurricanes from Raleigh, Edmonton. Big 4-3 win in Florida Saturday afternoon. Got off to a great start today, or so they thought. In the opening minute, Connor McDavid flying in. Beats Freddie Anderson, but hold the applause. Rod Brindamore challenges for offside. And former Hurricane Warren Fogle is offside, so it's no goal. It gets worse for McDavid. Takes the high stick to the mouth. Had to leave the game for dental repairs, but he did come back, but he was sore, you can tell. But the Canes showed their quality on the power play. Chris passing, Tavo Teravainen and Andrei Svechnikov combined to set up Sebastian Ajo. That is a terrific power play right there. 2-0 Canes, but the Oilers got it back. Derek Ryan, the 35-year-old, coming off his first career hat trick yesterday in Florida. That's a beauty right there. That made it 2-1. Edmonton had its chances but couldn't solve Anderson down the stretch. Canes with their fifth straight hang on to beat the Oilers 2-1. to one. So Edmonton remains five points up on the Canucks in the West, and it soon could be three if the Canucks hang on to win their game. <coughs> Excuse me. Stars and Sabres from Dallas. Stars with a three-point lead on the Canucks when the day began. First period, Joe Pavelski will find Rupe Hints, and the Finn fires home his 23rd, 2-0 Dallas. 
Sabres got one back, late second, big scramble in front. Michael Raffle will jam it in and the Stars take it 4-2. So they move ahead of Edmonton for the final playoff spot. Both tied with 61, but the Stars have a game in hand. Jets and Coyotes, Winnipeg, three points behind the Canucks, trying to climb back into the race. Coyotes led 3-2 after two, but early third, Jets will tie it up. Two on one break, Blake Wheeler choosing to shoot. Good decision, ties it up 3-3, and then two minutes later, beautiful three-way pass play finished off by the Jets' top sniper, Kyle Connor, is 31st. He'd get his 32nd into the empty net, and the Jets take it 5-3. They're just a point behind the Canucks. Abbotsford Canucks win at home. Sheldon Dries, what a year he's having. His team leading 28th as they beat the Stockton Heat 4-2. For the second time in 2022 series, Adam Svensson entered Sunday at a PGA tournament in the top 10 and with a real chance to either win his first PGA Tour tournament or at least finish high enough to make a lot of cash and help secure his tour card for the next season. This past January at the Sony Open in Hawaii, Svensson ended up seventh. Today at the Honda Classic in Florida, the 28-year-old was in sixth and he was just a shot out of second. PGA National, one of the toughest tracks on tour, water everywhere, and it always comes into play, especially on Sunday. Svensson was calm and on his game early on. Second hole stuffs that approach to a couple of feet, made the birdie, got to six under. And then on the par five third, nice touch here on the chip shot. You gotta have a short game to play in the PGA Tour. He's got that, made another birdie. Hey, he's tied for second. Getting interesting. Svensson did bogey the sixth, but he made a big 30-footer at nine to save par. And then at the 10th, little chip shot just off the green. That goes down for a birdie. He's at seven under, just a shot off the lead. Gotta be getting excited, but this course really took him down the stretch. 15th hole, started the bear trap, three really difficult holes, and Svensson's tee shot finds a watery grave. He dropped five shots in a six-hole span, still finished tied ninth, won 194,000, moved up 30 spots in the FedEx standings to 76, so still a good week. Third-round leader Daniel Berger also imploded, so it opened the door for Austrian Sepp Straka in a driving rainstorm on the 18th. That's for Eagle. Just inches away from the eagle, but a tap-in birdie, and that was the difference for Sepp Straka, who wins the Honda Classic, his first PGA Tour win. Nick Taylor had a great round today, finished tied 16th, and Roger Sloan of Merritt was tied 55th. Soccer now, the League Cup final from England, Liverpool and Chelsea playing at Wembley. Nil-nil second half, set piece for Liverpool. Sadio Mane nods it across to Joel Matip. He scores, 1-0 Liverpool. Wembley erupts, but after a VAR check, referees see Virgil van Dijk pick play as a foul, so it's no goal. That was marginal at best. This match would need to go to a shootout, and the first 10 takers score amazingly, so it came down to the goalkeepers. Everyone has to shoot once first. Liverpool's Kelleher converts his attempt, putting the pressure on Chelsea keeper Ereza Balaga. He skies it, though. Amazing, 21 of 22 shooters convert. Liverpool win it on penalties 11-10, so they take the lead cup. And FIBA World Cup qualifiers, Canada taking on U.S. Virgin Islands. Canada 3-0 so far, using a lineup of players who mostly play in Europe and Asia. Vancouver's Thomas Scrub, such a great warrior for the uh, national team, along with his brother Philip, hits the corner three. Canada didn't have much problem in this one. Kyle Wilcher, whose dad Greg was a star at UVic many decades ago. Silky smooth from three. He had six three-pointers uh, three to lead the way as Canada wins at 94-46. The World Cup still over a year away. 
but Canada looking good to qualify. Neetu, that's all I got for sports. All right, thanks so much, Barry. And coming up, a BC father's remarkable resolve regarding his Rolls-Royce and what it did to his relationships. Stay with us. Well, what happens when a car lover's devotion to a luxury automobile is challenged by the harsh reality of climate change? For one Vancouver man, it led to an extreme test of not only his engineering skills, but his relationships as well. Jay Durant explains in tonight's This is BC. Vincent Yu has always had a love for cars. But that passion took a much different turn four years ago when his daughter told him about climate change and the impact of gas-powered vehicles. And what she thought about his idea to buy a Rolls-Royce. He was telling me how great it is and how it takes like a lot of horsepower and gas. And I was just like, but aren't you going to pollute the earth with this even more than like just a regular car? He still bought it, but she refused to go for a ride with her dad. And so began a long journey for you to change his thinking about luxury cars. The engineer by trade would find a way to turn this car into an electric vehicle. As like time went on, he just went like, I will do this to make you proud. He studied car batteries and sought out parts to replicate the technology. It was a costly and laborious undertaking. Why do I do difficult? <laughs> Gloria and her mom moved out of the house for a year because it was getting stressful when Vincent couldn't get the engine to work. Finally, after four years, he found success. One day, he just like gave us a text saying, oh, I've done it. Like, and then we were just like, done what? And he was just like, I've like, I've converted the car. I need a small, I need a small this. That was last fall. Gloria and her mom moved back home. I plan, I plan a year. I plan maybe next month. Now Yu is planning to convert this Rolls-Royce into an EV. Well, in the process of launching his brand new business, Mars Power, that will transform gas cars to electric. I am very, very happy. Very, very happy. And Gloria has no problem going for that ride now with her dad. You like it? Yeah, I do like it. Oh, good. I'm very good. proud of you. Jay Durant, Global News. Well, if you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC that people need to know about, you can email your ideas to thisisbc at globalnews.ca. <laughs> that is mm. fantastic. Reminds me, I have a couple Rolls Royces I better... Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I Gotta better get go in convert, line. Hey? Gotta yeah. get in line. They're it's this be big. Very they're, busy. they're little matchbox. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Will be a good week for a drive rather than being outdoors. Hey, Yvonne? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, be prepared. A soggy one for tomorrow. Very wet and windy and a significant amount of snow for the mountain passes. Yep. That rain gear out. All right, Kamal Kermali will be here at 11. Thanks so much for joining us all. Have a great night.